we're, we're recording now. Where should Buffalo uh, and uh, Kansas City be? I think it should be an afternoon game because, oh, of, okay. because of the cold. Because of the cold. All right. Come on. Come on. Well, no, I... I'm, Is it more TV or something for... Uh, of course. For it's all about TV. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, 6.30 is a late start, although by Sunday... It's actually going to be warming up quite a bit, but uh, it'll still be cold. Are you going to yes. go to the game? No. Well, what do you care then? That is, I a, care because a, I, that's, I, that's I like one of a, a good question. <laughs> if you're not going to be cold, furnace man, because I care about one of the teams and uh you know as they said many times yesterday on the broadcast both of them weather is a great equalizer okay well i uh i care about actually one and a half of those teams because i like kansas city and uh both of the teams will be playing on the same field okay so what's what are you saying well there's no advantage i mean it's not like one team's disadvantaged over the other. It's the great equalizer. All right, you're the great. What equalizer. does that even mean? <laughs> you're the you're the great equalizer. It means at any given moment the elements can play a part in the game. Well, yeah, which... but you, and do you think the elements won't play a part in the game if it's a one o'clock start? Uh maybe not as much if the sun was shining and it was a little warmer. What about the sun hitting the eyes or? Maybe there's some big, you know, downdraft or something come come. Yeah, through. downdraft in the stadium. I, I, yeah, that's I, a big problem. In the it NFL. is often Down, <laughs> downdraft. And, uh, <laughs> that's right. It and can it's often funny. be a problem. You know, especially baseball, for planes landing soccer, on the stadium. Other out, other outdoor sports have uh, you know caught on to this thing of putting blackout under your eyes. Not in the NFL though, so the sun will play a part as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't do that in the NFL? Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. I'm being sarcastic. I I don't know (laughs) enough about this The thing is, he doesn't. As soon as you said that, I'm like, that's going to be lost on Derwin because he doesn't know about. And some of the guys in NFL, Dan, will put crosses under their eyes because they think Jesus will be favorable to their cause. The Lord. The Lord and Savior. Um, Okay, well, we'll get to the Buffalo Bills a little bit later. Um Let's yep. welcome everybody uh, here at uh, home and around the world. And Dan Duran, of course, broadcasting from uh, the matrimonial home. Uh, here we are in Toronto. You were telling me that uh, it's cold in Brampton, although I was out with the dog just a few minutes ago, and it has that feeling today of it. It feels like it's warmed up a little bit so it can snow because it's snowing in downtown Toronto where I am. You know, I spent some time outside yesterday doing a few things. It didn't bother me that much. There wasn't much of a wind in front of my home. I was in the garage, garage puttering around, and then I had to prepare some stuff because I had to go to my mother-in-law's and Kitchener and do something with her car. And I was outside, and it, well, I felt like, a, I felt rugged. That's what I felt. Oh, did you? Yes. I felt like I was up against the elements, and I was winning. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's when I think of you, I think of ruggedness. I do. Uh, well, I had the opposite experience. Uh, where I am, maybe it's closer to the lake or whatever, but I went out with Stan, and we lasted less than 15 minutes, and uh, it was brutal. And then I came home and watched that football game, which we'll talk about at some right. point. But uh, I kept thinking to myself, like, I couldn't last 15 minutes, and these dudes are out, you know, yeah. with bare arms, 
Right. They must put something on their arms to battle frostbite. There must be some kind of an oil or something they use, I would think. I don't know, man. There was uh, a bunch of people. Well, the funny thing is, did you see the normal people? So, Dan, what you're seeing on the field, it, you know, it's hard to tell the temperature because they're wearing short-sleeved uh, equipment. And, you know, the odd guy has sleeves on. But then they go stand near the normal people, the coaches and the staff and the training people on the sidelines. And they're all bundled up like they're on an Arctic excursion. Do you not notice that there, Frederick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people arrived and they literally had to, with their hands and their mittens and gloves, dig out their seats. Yeah. The, I'm, 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 forget the yeah. people in the stands sitting in snow for four hours. Right. Every time they took a shot of the uh, coaching staff on the sideline, yeah. like, yeah, those guys, those guys look like you're supposed to look for this weather. Yes. You can't wait for uh, for halftime so you can go into the warm dressing room. And in the waning moments of the game, especially if you win, it's exhilarating. You know, we've been through this and now I get to go into a warm right. dressing room and be happy. Conversely, you go through all that and you don't win, you lose. How shitty is that? Not only did I have to just endure three hours outside getting frostbite, now I have to sit in a dressing room and pretend that I'm in horrible anguish. Well, I think some of those people got injured so they could leave the game <laughs> yeah. on purpose. <laughs> Did yeah. they do all the, uh, you know, post-game on-field interviews? Yeah, they did a couple. Uh, outside? Yeah, How they, sweet is that, Josh Allen? He said, well, other than the fact that he was, you know, praises go to the Lord, but... Uh, no, yeah, he was yeah I think... I, I don't... No, he's yeah, not like a lot yeah. of... Yeah. He just dropped that one, like, two. I think... Dropped as, two. As a, he, taught, he dropped really? two blesses and gods. Yeah, yeah. Disappointing. I thought he just used it as a turn of phrase like we would by mistake. Oh, thank God, man. When you don't really mean it. All right. But that was a sweet. I, I could be wrong, Howard. Hey, I don't know what goes on in the brain of um, sweet Josh. Josh Allen and his spiritual, you know, <laughs> on, his, on his spiritual journey. Who's Josh Allen again? Is he like a sports guy? Yeah, you should know that, Dan. Well, okay. <clears throat> uh, Josh Allen is the uh, quarterback of the uh, Buffalo oh, Bills. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and, right. um,. Had himself quite a game last night. Again, we'll talk about the then game again, later. Then again, I don't know who plays the oboe for the Stratford Symphony a Symphony Orchestra like Dan. Was, you know, <laughs> wait a second. Okay, what are you talking? Dan doesn't know who plays oboe, but Dan could tell you the uh, theater lineup at the Peterborough Theater Guild. Yes, I could. Um, listen, all this is fine. All this is just Fiddler fine, on the roof is next. Fiddler or on the roof during these yeah. times, Dan? These times, a Fiddler was chosen by the Play Selection Committee. Now, was that and, before uh, the entire world? Yeah, it was uh, decided uh, about anti-Semitic this, you know. hell? Yeah, that's pre. it was decided pre-anti-Semitic uh, hell. So yeah. what, is there going to be like a little disclaimer at the beginning of the show? Uh, just so you know, we don't support Israel. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to discuss that with Lisa, who is uh, the marketing director. Yeah, you might want to say. Hey, you might want to say. Uh, you, even though this is a play about Jews, we're not big on them either. <laughs> <laughs> Screw with the script. Add a little genocide, you know, to balance That's things right. out. That's mm-hmm. right. Have the uh, fiddler start, you know, fucking picking off uh, Palestinians from his roof. 
It's a big show we're putting on. We're yeah, pretend, it, it, pretend, it, we have like, to move it over to the big theater. <laughs> no, Fred, they'll change some of the songs. If I did a genocide, I'd a little deal. All day long, I'd kill the Palestinians. Dan, are you in it? No. Oh, come no. on. I mean, see, no I'd, come up, I'd come up and see it if you were in it. We all would. You got to get your ass in some of these productions, Dan. Uh, okay, down the road when I'm less busy about, you know, busy do, busy doing what? Well, what does, how are you too busy to be Tevya in the I'm, Theater Guild's production of Fiddler on the Roof? I am vice president of operations. <laughs> Whatever. I've got many things to do. Make sure that the place is up and running and not falling apart. All right, but you then, then you go to rehearsal where you put on the beard and you say, If I were a dandaran, one of these days you. I will. I was asked and I, I declined because I thought the time commitment was going to be too, uh, too onerous for Man. a girl in a goldfish bowl. So, I the, uh, I'll tell you, and again, I say this with all sincerity and, um, talk about a stroke of luck for them i mean you have this theater guild you know it could be a little bit of disrepair there's some things that need to be attended to along comes this guy Mm -hmm. i mean who better could you have than to walk in that place and look around and go "Hmm, that needs a little (laughs) you know that needs a little attention there this needs a little attention there and to have him doing it like uh they must love you Oh, I, I'm, I'm appreciate. I feel appreciated. Yeah, well, you well, that's all we want in life. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. To be seen and appreciated. I mean, Fred's like right, though. I mean, what a stroke of luck for the theater girl to have somebody with your your eye, your taste, your ear. But of course, that comes with a cost. <laughs> it's a, you know, believe me, some of the people on the board are like, "Well, this is great that we have such a uh, committed and and professional expert with us." But on the other hand. He is a bit aggravating. <laughs> Could he just the other day off? he's in here complaining about which way the toilet paper rolls? Uh-huh. And you hear what Dan said? Could he? Could no. he just fuck off? <laughs> once in a while, just once in a while, not all the time. I know what I'd like Dan to do. How about begin the program? This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studio in Toronto, from our well-equipped Brampton facility with a purple tablecloth, and from Lisa's dining room table next to trendy black sticks in a vase. And is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, Bodog, and Kelsey's, and our newest sponsor, Lender's Choice Mortgages. And now here are two men who don't care at all about the caucuses in the States, but like to use the word. So the Iowa caucuses were yesterday. The next caucuses are in Nevada, and especially interesting are the Virgin Island caucuses. I, Dan Duran, don't care about any caucus, but I do care about the caulking I'm doing later today. It's Humble and Fred. Yeah, I mean, if we had your caucus, we wouldn't care about uh, other caucuses uh, as well. Don't pretend you didn't think that was coming. Yeah, we'll talk some caucuses. Tim Progosh is a a Canadian actor and uh, the head of the Canadian Comedy Awards. They're going to be inducting Red Green and some other Canadian comedy legends in a big uh, gala, gala, whatever. And uh, Tim's going to come on the program today and tell us all about the Steve Smith inductee or inducting. Yeah, inductage. I don't know. That's quite the story that uh, Steve uh, Smith. 
Yeah. It really is. The little empire he built here in Canada against, you know, I'm not going to say all odds, but against heavy odds. Good for him. Yeah, I think it was a production that started Mm -hmm. in uh, out in your uh, Hamilton. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say Jeff was talking about that with us. I think wasn't he, Dan, when we were on? Was it? I think when he was filling in for Fred a couple weeks ago, we had a brief conversation about Steve Smith and how like he, he took his that brand. It did very, very well in the States, which is, of course, what Canadians want to hear. You know, did it? How did it do with the Americans? Uh, but it did very well. He uh, would go tour. He did. He toured his one man show all over the States. Yeah. Think Iowa caucuses and then think Steve Smith. You get an idea of what we're no. talking about here or uh, red green rather. Not yeah. Steve yeah. No, Smith. no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's a great story. Good on him. Although I must say in the early, early years when they did Smith and Smith's comedy mill, sometimes I'd watch it just to be aggravated because I thought it was so bad. Well, yeah, we all mocked it. We all, I honestly, I did. But again, it, it's like get it out there and work on it and develop and evolve. And that's what they did. Like him and his wife, Morag, when they sing on that show, I think, oh, my God. No, it was awful. I'm, I'll say that right yeah. now. I mean, I don't know where we were or what I was doing, but I remember distinctly mocking it because it was bad. But, you mm-hmm. know, it was bad and he learned how to be good or he learned how yes. to. But, of course, you know, Canadians, as soon as we see something, and they, especially in those days when Canadian television was horrible. Mm-hmm. And that was just another horrible outing. Uh, and then it wasn't um, much like this program. It, t- it took time to develop. And now, <laughs> we're, still, to now we're still developing. <laughs> as opposed to nowadays where it's tough for Canadian television to be horrible because we produce so little. Well, that might be true, but we've also gotten really good at it. Anyway, that's coming up on the show. Um, we had a lot of things to get through. We, we, do, we did want to carve out some time for uh, Trump today. Although I would like to begin... Uh, just had a really terrible sleep last night. I, I was actually I shouldn't say that. I was all excited about the bills, and uh, I found it tough to go to sleep. And I slept till about four o'clock in the morning. Then I went back and forth, uh, or what do they call that? Uh, tossing and turning, and I finally fell back to sleep. I don't know somewhere where I had one of those uh, very vivid dreams, and it was Dan and I were at some convention, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, Dan and I are talking to Mick Jagger. And and it's weird because I don't even know what the convention was. We were walking around. There was all these celebrities. And uh, Dan and I tell Mick that we're tired. I'm, I'm, I need a nap, I say to Mick, <laughs> and, uh, in the dream. And so I lay down on a couch that just appeared in this dream. And Mick Jagger uh, comes over with what looks like to me the Campbell's soup blanket. Oh, okay. And I think, oh, this is great. Mick Jagger's being very kind and he's getting me a blanket so I can have a nap. <laughs> and, uh, he's got, he's, he's got, <laughs> he's, he's got, got the Campbell's soup uh, blanket got, I gave Fred. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He's got Fred's Campbell's soup blanket and I'm about to be, you know, put to bed for my nap by Mick Jagger. And then when he puts the blanket on me, it says the Rolling Stones. And I thought, isn't that cool that he has his own, he walks around <laughs> with his own blankets. Well, and then the dream he probably ended. has his own naps, right? Cause yeah, I guess he's that. And, and yeah. that was that was the almost the end of the dream. And at one point, Dan and I wake up and we go back on the convention floor and run into Steve Martin. This is true in the dream. And I say, hey, Steve, we're having dinner with uh, Dan and I are having dinner with Mick Jagger. 
And he says, no, I don't want to join you. And that was the end of the dream. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I couldn't figure out why Steve wouldn't want to join us, Dan, for dinner. But he said no. Wow. Well, anyway. maybe Steve had something to do. You know, anyway. he's at a convention. He's, you know, he's, got, he's a very active social media guy. So maybe Anyhow, I thought I'd post. throw that out at you. You just but, wonder yeah. where they come from, are these dreams. Well, the, the, what, my favorite, what was the initiator for that dream? Well, my favorite part of it, though, was I thought at one point, as I remarked to myself in the dream, where did Mick Jagger get Fred's blanket? And it turned <laughs> out it was his own blanket. Well, he was over here watching the Bills game. With <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you know, um, I don't know where you want to start with this caucus thing. You know, when you said that at the on the intro, Dan, it, it would made me think how different our show is now than it would have been on terrestrial radio because there was a time on terrestrial radio where Fred and I would be giggling and making, you know, saying caucus over and over again so that we could say cock. Mm -hmm. But in a world like we've created for ourselves the last 12 years where you can swear saying caucus isn't as funny to me as it used to be. I mean, it's still pretty, it's a funny little word, but do you know what I'm kind of getting at? Like, like that would have been a thing on terrestrial radio to go. Oh yeah, the Iowa caucuses, caucus, <laughs> caucus. Yeah. Who's got the bigger yeah. caucus, Trump or DeSantis? You know, mm-hmm. we would have done that. And on and on and, and on, on and yeah. on for most of the morning. Revisit it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh huh. We would have a character call us and go, "Hey, did you guys hear about the caucuses, caucuses? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite caucus? Yeah." <laughs> Have you ever been in a caucus or on a caucus? How many caucuses have caucus? you seen? Yeah. Oh, I know what you're saying, Howard. You know, did Nikki Haley, does she enjoy a nice caucus? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. She looks like she can handle a caucus, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we won't yeah. do that because we don't have to anymore. We're above it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. We're above it. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I didn't watch any of it. You know, I've. I'm in resignation point now, actually, with it all. You know what I was going to say uh, yesterday when we were talking about the depth of talking about Trump and how passionate we are? And you mentioned Steve, Stephen Ferrillo, your your buddy. I like him, too. Haven't seen him in years. But then just stepping back and going, oh, wait a minute, maybe he doesn't want to hear all this. You know what I mean? I'm way more passionate than he is. And I, I was thinking yesterday, Howard, off that if I lined up 10 of my friends and you and I say we're say we were a 10 out of 10 on Trump interest and talking, wanting to talk about it and pissed off and passionate. Of my top 10 friends, say, what would they be? And I bet you most of them, you know, Darren would probably be up there, Doug. But after that, you know, just out and about, it's might be a five, might be a four. To so many people, it's something going on over there. And, 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 and I've said it before, I wish that was me because there's nothing you and I can do about this ultimately. So why let it eat you up the way we can let it eat us up is what I'm saying. I would agree. I think, you know, I, I go in and out of it. I mean, the last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I would agree, too, in terms of, you know, people I know and their passion for the subject. Mm-hmm. I'd say that. A lot, 
a lot just don't have time for it. You well, know what I mean? The time. two guys I mentioned, the, the two guys I mentioned are retired. You know, <laughs> well, whether people have time for yeah. it or they have the inclination to get involved in it uh, would be part of it. I mean, the last three months, a lot of people I know in my, you know, my brothers and you guys and, you know, different friends, Fraser and those guys that the Trump curiosity or whatever has been replaced by, you know, Hamas and the Middle East and, you know, the South Africans. I don't know if you guys saw that or aware of that story about how South, South African went to the international um, criminal court, whatever it's called, and petitioned uh, to have Israel sanctioned for, a, you know, a genocide. Genocide, yes. I mean, I watched that. I'm, I was fascinated mm-hmm. by it. That's replaced a lot of my, you know, stuff with Trump. Although now that these primaries have begun, I think more people will start to to kind of clue into it because it is so historic. It just is. No, I get it. But I, when I say resignation, it's like, you know, we mentioned the caucuses. He won it going away last night. And, you know, looking at all, you know, drilling down on the results, it's, you know, they're talking to the Iowans that were part of the caucus saying, you know, they don't care about his charges. They're all trumped up. Yeah. Um, you know, the election is not valid. Joe Biden really isn't the president. I mean, this this was the prevailing attitude of the people that actually decided that caucus last night. So, like, when we're at that point, it's like, what's the use even worrying about it? It's it's. Like, how do you change that? How well, do you- there, there's no use worrying about it. I mean, as far as like, I, I know, I know that deep down on none of nothing I can come up with will have any effect on it other than the fact that I don't want to be living through this time and not having at least witnessed it. To your point, I had this. Pre- I have some audio prepared. And, oh, uh, um, oh, interesting. <laughs> um, to your point and the point of. The people that are still behind him, and by the way, the numbers were 51% of the mm-hmm. Iowans who uh, caucused last night. Oh, those caucusers. Mm-hmm. Uh, 51% for him, 21% for DeSantis, 19% for Nikki Haley. Before I play this audio, you have to wonder, what is the kind of person that could know what they have heard or think they've heard about Donald Trump and still choose him because because i'm fascinated by that what kind of person is that well i thought the same thing and you know we've talked about this before you can go oh just an evil bastard full of hate but what what turns a person into that what kind what we've talked about it before you know how senators and congress people go in making 175 180 thousand dollars a year and emerge as multi-millionaires I mean, there's a real wave of distrust and um, almost hatred for the structure of government down there. And maybe this is part of that. And, you know, we give and Trump's an asshole, but he's he's tapped into this brilliantly. He just he just has. I agree. Because that that was the response of all the people last night. And, and, and you know, so they, they just don't trust government. Well, they don't trust government. And they and they mm-hmm. they they live and exist, Dan. In a corner, in in a space on the internet, yeah, that we don't, that doesn't, that we don't, 
their internet's different than ours. And the way they synthesize information is different than ours because I've got a 40 second clip of a woman, you know, filled with uh, nonsense. But she believes it. Joe Biden has been dead since 2019. She starts with Joe Biden has been dead since 2019. Joe Biden has been dead since 2019. James Woods, the actor, is playing Joe Biden, sleepy Joe, poopy pants. But the president is trying to get us back down with our economy because. So he is the president. Yes, he's very. He never conceded. He is very much the president of the Republic. Biden has been doing all his White House pictures out there in California at BlackRock Studio with the fake green screen. Right. And so he doesn't even live in the White House. So that's somebody's mom. That's somebody's sister, somebody's daughter. She's probably early 50s. She's got a bunch of words that she's heard. Uh, James Wood, the president, BlackRock Studios. These are all. That's why I said she lives in a world of the Internet that we don't occupy. But but to your point, Fred. Yes, she seems crazy, but she also doesn't seem crazy. You know, she's just the, 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 the thing is, there's so many of those people that believe that. That it's how do you like it used to be you could have a discussion about policy. We've had this discussion before where you could say, well, they Republicans believe this and the Democrats believe that. But I just want to finish by saying I don't have any audio of people that support the Democrats who are that fucking delusional. No, they, they just don't have it. No. And, and, and by by virtue, they're not that passionate either. No. And this displays the evil brilliance of Donald Trump. You know, he had a decision to make along the way. I mean, again, I say it, he's tapped into that element. They did the research. They knew that there was millions and millions and millions of people that would buy into that. But, you know, right out of the gate, some of the things he said about immigration, George Bush wouldn't have said that or his dad wouldn't have said it or other Republican presidents. They may have thought it. And a lot of the country may have thought it, but you don't say it. Because it could end up backfiring on you. At somewhere along the line, Donald Trump and his people made the decision. We're going there after these people. And it has worked. They had a great read on that element of America, which, you know, you just said it is huge. It's huge. How is there any other explanation? Because still, when they do general polls, he's still way up there. It doesn't matter what he does. And, you know, part of their strategy is we're going to throw so much at the wall that people aren't going to be able to pick one or two little bad things. I said, we're going to throw so much out there. It's just going to be be part of the new world. Our our platform, what we stand for and people are going to buy in and fuck they have. Have they not? Oh, yeah. Like, I remember where we were. Rachel and I, I think, were in Mexico. This was early in uh, 2018 when Trump's um, Muslim or travel ban went into effect. And I remember thinking, wow, this is way off script. But uh, also back to the point I was making about Mm -hmm. Democrat or liberal support. Yeah. You know, Dan, you listen to a lot of CBC and and that's, you know, not to make fun of it, but when you, when, when I listen to some of it, Mm-hmm. And I and I read a lot of liberal information. What liberals lack is the passion for their candidate, the way that these people 
have a passion for their candidate. Whether their candidate is this despicable convicted rapist doesn't really matter to them the way that it would matter to us sort of normal people. Uh, the second clip I've picked out for you is to is an example of how passionate his people are for him to the point where this gentleman in a very short clip is going to, again, this guy doesn't look, he's not some crazy man with a tinfoil on his head. He's just a regular guy, probably closer to our age, who believes two things should happen, that Trump should be president for a long time, and that if need be, what the country could really use as a dictator. The other day, Donald Trump said on his first day he's going to be a dictator for a day. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that. Would you rather have Donald Trump as a dictator for four years or re-elect Joe Biden for four years? I would rather have Donald Trump. I'd like to see the repeal of the Roosevelt law so that he can be a president for a lot more than four years. But we, this country, needs a dictator. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. So this, So now... Like, could you imagine, back to the presidents you just mentioned, you imagine somebody uh, supporting a conservative candidate talking about repealing the Roosevelt law, which, you know, uh, limits a president's terms, and saying what this country needs is a dictator. Mm -hmm. No, I know. I heard it said last week, if you're still in support of Donald Trump, you're not paying attention. And they and all, you know, again, I watch all three of the networks down there and on MSNBC, often they'll take something like that and they'll they'll dissect it. See, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about when he references the Roosevelt thing. He doesn't he doesn't know. He doesn't understand what he's talking about. He doesn't understand the depth of what he's asking for. It's just so superficial. It's just a line of superficial hate and intolerance. You know, that's what it is. And, you know, you mentioned liberals and they're not as passionate, but they're they're also not as evil because you can watch MSNBC, you can watch CNN, you can listen to liberal podcasts and everything. And you might disagree. Their extreme tends to be over helping people or overcompensating for the less fortunate, sometimes to a fault, which it, it can happen. It's just on the right. It's just evil. And and the that guy you just played there in in his very heart he's just evil. He hates he he's intolerant. He loves Donald Trump because he thinks that Donald Trump's going to return the country to 1950s America, where everybody knew their place, you know, and everything was perfect and everything was serene and we didn't have to worry about the brown man and we didn't have to worry about the borders and. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the yeah, and the fact is, I, I want to wrap it up soon because mm-hmm. I know I've been, I'm, I'm, I I I gauge uh, Dan's reaction is probably the uh, reaction of the audience. He's like, "All right, when uh, when is this latest diatribe going to be over?" But Howard, we're not talking about Trump. We're talking about fucking psychology of evil and what makes people think the way they do. And I'm going to say the caveat to what I just said is this: that you know, I might be more passionate about it than most of my peer group, except for you. But I, I don't want to be I don't want to live through this period and not witness what's going on, because even if we didn't do this show and to be fair to us, we haven't really, you know, gone uh, deep into the Trump world lot lately. I still am interested in this. Dan, what were you going to say? I was going to say to offer a ray of sunshine, a couple of please points. do the the caucuses are Caucus. all uh, re- the, <laughs> are about electing a Republican uh, 
<clears throat> from a d- defined a Republican candidate, right? So we uh, hold on. That's me. I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah, is you getting a, a phone call from? Uh, is it an agent calling you about a role? <laughs> yeah, my role later today. Uh, <clears throat> the um, the ray of sunshine is this: that what we're talking about right now is a bunch of Republicans voting for a Republican. It's yeah. not so. Once the once Trump's going to get. Uh, you know, to be the candidate, then the whole operation has to shift to getting the entire population to vote as opposed to just Republicans voting. Yes, for that Trump, is true. Right. So there's there's that. So there, this is filled with more idiots than will be in the future uh, having this dialogue. Right. Yeah. But the problem is the Electoral College. That's the problem. The country, little tiny little pockets of the country elect the president. And what we're seeing right now from those pockets is very disturbing. And one other thing I will say as far as us talking about it on the show, because I know it's going to happen. If this guy's reelected, it's going to have some serious effect on Canada because he doesn't give a shit about this country. You know what I mean? That whole Mm. populist thing and that America first thing. A lot of Canadians in a couple of years from now might be sitting back going, "Woo, what happened? Well, this is what happened. And this is when I get pissed off. You know, I mean, even people I know and you see on social media or whatever that still support this guy. It's like, have you not looked into your nose what this could mean for us as Canadians? I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And Dan, to your point about the general election, think about it. Even though he didn't win the popular vote in two two elections, the Electoral College map mm-hmm. does weight heavily or weigh heavily or weight heavily. Some of these pockets that Fred was mentioning. To your point also, Fred, in the general election, a uh, poll recently put a hypothetical election matchup. uh, Trump against Biden, uh, 50% to 48%. DeSantis for for, for Trump winning. Okay. Mm -hmm. DeSantis beats Biden, 51 to 48. Mm -hmm. And little Nikki Haley... Governor Haley beats Biden 53 to 45. Mm -hmm. So the point about that is we have this perfect storm of nonsense because on the one hand, you've got all this craziness on the Republican side and you've got a candidate on the Democrat side that can't that is not going to beat any of them according. Well, according to this poll in a general election. I just what makes me shudder is a debate between Trump and Biden. Because uh, I'll tell you, on a stage, Trump's sharper. There's no doubt about it. And the thing is, he's proved he can just say nonsense and lies and everything, and his people buy into it. And again, if you have some people in the middle that, again, aren't paying attention, and they see that match up on the stage, they might lean towards the guy who seems to be a little more with it. Yeah, it's all... It's all scary. And again, from a Canadian standpoint, it's not we're not totally caught up in American politics that, you know, we can't control or we're not part of. So why worry about it? I worry about it. It had a major effect on Canada. Daniel, you said, did you have a second bit of uh, good news for us? Is there anything that you can do, Dan? To well, I was uh, I was basically two, two days ago. I was resigned to the idea that Trump's going to win. And we just better wrap our heads around how the world. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, well, I get so, it. Mm-hmm. so uh, then uh, I was listening to uh, another podcast, uh, Fast Politics, <clears throat> in the uh, states, and they, she was uh, Molly John Fast was talking about uh, with with a guy who's like 
very critical about polls. And polling in America these days has become very, very poor as far as quality and the, and the methodologies that they're using right now. And it's often just thrown out there because it gets engagement. Those polls, people talk about them. They increase engagement on those websites. And if you're not getting, they're not getting any kind of accuracy out of them as as based on what's happened in the past where we didn't think things were going to happen like when trump got in when when the polls mm-hmm. were showing you know differences i can so see he that was just just talking about that mm-hmm. that we need to look at different um indicators than the polling yep and I can see that. really have to be uh, critical about the poll that you're you're quoting or looking at because the, they're for the most part just shit no, <laughs> no, they I shouldn't think. be relied on right no that's t- totally valid but you know november 3rd or 4th of this year like what uh you know we could be talking about the polls and it's like yeah the polls were wrong but he's still president yeah i don't know what's scary <laughs> you know let's i i would just say mm-hmm. that to finish what i would i mean not to finish it but to a final thought for me would be i don't know what's scarier him being elected and what could come of that or him not getting elected and then another round of stolen election it's all rigged the the fact that you know the fact that against all information that's available to ra- rational thinking human beings that the, the that show the election wasn't rigged or stolen the fact that this grown man this narcissistic super that's his superpower mm-hmm. still claims it was rigged and stolen is just fascinating to me yeah but you understand he has to because of the court cases um, one of them hinges on they've got to prove that he was aware that it wasn't stolen so of course he'll every time he turns around he says that because in a court of law he needs that evidence i know i'm you know i'm convinced i i didn't know i still don't know right now i guess it's right. all it's all so calculated i mean again i keep using the word brilliant but talk about playing a country like a goddamn fiddle like jesus he's done it well, I've, I've said that before about him. I said that to Stinky the other night. I said, you know, you know, the greatest trick that he pulled was the introducing the idea that that news could be fake. I said, no, I know he stole it from the Third Reich handbook, but he still, you know, until Donald Trump came along, most of those people believed what they were hearing on the news. And now everything can be explained in Trump world by it being faked, rigged or weaponizing the government or Joe, you know, the fact that he can, he continues to call Joe Biden, uh, the most corrupt and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. the Joe Biden crime family. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is too, as well, that structure of government really does need an overhaul because the polarization, even before Trump, even through the Obama years, the polarization, the government is accomplishing nothing down there. Just a bunch of guys sitting in those seats getting rich somehow, you know, with yellow envelopes and little side deals, all becoming super rich and nothing is getting done in government. So it does need an overhaul. And again, that's part of the basis of how Trump has risen to where he is calling that out. And he has. Well, and and, and they're right, though. I mean, you're you're right. They're right. The the fact that. There was a, a, a bill introduced. All these Republicans, including the Mike Johnson, who's got a 
a stepson that he's never apparently never shows the world is cre- you know that's another crazy thing so no, this mike johnson creep. he's he's the speaker of the house and recently there was a bill introduced they're always talking about the border and what about the border so there's a bill introduced to do something about it and the republicans all voted against it mm-hmm. because in actual fact they don't really want to do something about it yeah um, i'll tell you what we do we do have to do some things dan will you yes uh, dan yeah danny danny dan come back <laughs> and do the news yes i'll do the news we'll all look forward to that and um Lob- listen loblaws talking about loblaws loblaws and maybe by the time you come back there'll be a um substitution where dan duran will be starring in the peterborough peterborough guilds, guilds production <laughs> of fiddler on the roof come on dan in the meantime, uh, let's talk about these fine folks, Frederick. Well, Tim Niblett is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. You know, the Nibbles, he's been on the show for years now. But, you know, he's stepping back just a little bit. He's enjoying life as he should. Jay Bondi is his uh, wingman, and uh, he'll be uh, part of the show tomorrow talking about TFSAs, tax-free savings accounts. Still surprised at how many people still don't fully understand what a TFSA is and how it can work for you and uh, be very instrumental in uh, your uh, wealth building. Anyway, Jay's going to touch on that tomorrow. We look forward to that. Uh, the Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca slash Jay Bondi. I had a correspondence with the uh, Sherpa this morning. He's uh, somewhere in Asia on his trip talking about the uh, company that uh, you and I promote that helps uh, promote this program, Boron One. You know, if you're just new to this discussion, the element boron is everywhere. It's like the old city TV ads. It's difficult to comprehend the variety of uses of boron in construction, manufacturing, medicine, science, microelectronics, pharmaceuticals, telecommunications, space travel, space travel, communication, satellite, specialty metals, battery technology, and more. And why it's important is... Uh, As I mentioned yesterday, as a reminder, there are not very many companies in the world that are able to get Boron out of the ground as a commercial operation, and Boron One is getting very close to being one of those companies, which might be a nice addition to your portfolio. We've already had some Humble and Fred listeners uh, look into this, and uh, again, making no claims about where stock prices may or may not move. It might be a great idea now to check out boron1.com. If you'd like to show your support for the Humble and Fred Show, which is, by the way, a phrase I'm introducing in 2024, because I've heard other podcasts say that. Yes. And I like, I like the way it sounds. If you'd like to show your support for this show, uh, we'd really appreciate uh, checking out some of our sponsors, including Boron1 at boron1.com. I like that phrase because it doesn't sound like we're... Um, we're not begging anybody. We're just saying, you know, hey, it's, you know, we are, we're in business. And if you'd like to, uh, and you listen to our show, you'd like to show some, you'd like to show some support for it. <laughs> you could, yeah, you could easily do that. Show a little here or I mean, throw a little here, throw a little there. Show a little love. Makes us look good, you know. Show a little love. That. Yeah. Uh, speaking go. of love, there's uh, Tim Progosh. A lot of people are like, oh, I know that guy from the TV. 
Or, or Hallmark movies as Santa as, or Jimmy, the guy who helps out with the Christmas carnival. How many Hallmark movies have you done? 14. Are you serious? Yeah, in the last three years. Like, honestly, Tim, like, how does that, where does that, where, how do you do that? <laughs> to survive. Well, I know why you do it to survive. Um, <laughs> yeah, but how do you become the Hallmark guy? Like, how is it every time they do a Hallmark movie, it's like, we need that guy. Um, I think it's because uh, they have an approval process in the States for like, your, you know, your Facebook doesn't have a lot of pictures or says things that are controversial. I think oh, is, is, uh, I think that's yeah, it. Yeah. But it took me about 12 or 13 auditions just to get to crack into it. And then um, they want to know that you can um, be the support guy. Like, you know, you can say to your daughter or son, um, if you don't go after him, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, I, when you're and we're gonna, I'm gonna formally introduce you in a second, Tim Progosh. I've I've known Tim a long time. Uh, of course, Dan and Lumby, we all, you know, I was I was like one of those guys like you, Fred. We go to the auto audition and there'd be like the real guys that do it, and Tim Progosh would be one of those guys. Uh, Tim, because um, it wasn't funny. <laughs> that's right, um, Tim. How how um. How big are some of these roles in in these movies? Are you like this a real supporting character or a, a few days on the set? Well, they usually shoot them in twelve to fifteen days now, right. and I get anywhere from three to six days usually. So that's got to be a nice piece of uh, business. Yeah, it's uh, it's kept me in socks and underwear, especially uh, just after I got the first one um, at the first break during COVID. Uh, I, I did one called Christmas at Maple Creek. And that was like just in between. We had masks and shields, and then the yeah, yeah, COVID protocols. Off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the library of Hallmark Christmas movies is just crazy, isn't it? Like it's unbelievable. I think I think they got a cha- they got a Hallmark yeah, yeah. Christmas channel. Yeah, and then there's other companies that are doing it for other network, networks. Lifetime does them, and uh, as well, and uh, W and. The companies that produce them, like in these small, like Ottawa is is where I've gone and done most of my productions, Mm. and they have this whole industry. And so those companies are using that to do uh, their profits to uh, invest in other products and do other different kinds of movies. I did one uh, that wasn't, I've done three now that aren't even uh, about Christmas. And so they were, what is a murder one? Have you been cast? It's uh, January of 2024. Have you been cast? Uh, or when does the casting round begin for the Christmas movies of 2024? It They go all year round. And for some reason, uh, a lot of them I've done on the hottest days of the year yeah. where I'll be dressed in as Father Christmas in the green robe with the beard and the hair <laughs> and uh, padding. And it's like 35 degrees. Yeah. You know, on that point, I over Christmas, I was listening to a Dean Martin Christmas album. Love Dean. And I'm reading those sort of liner notes on it. And it was recorded like in July of 1964. Yeah, of course. Like his most successful Christmas album. And why wouldn't it be? It's just, yeah. you know, just seems a little well, odd. Let's formally introduce our friend uh, Tim Progrosh. She is the, um, well, he's an actor, obviously. And uh, is here as uh, executive director and board member with the Canadian Comedy Awards. Tim and uh, a bunch of uh, folks like Tim have been uh, working a lot over the last few years to try and make this something that all of us can be aware of. The uh, Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame inductions for 2024 will be happening in Hamilton Friday, February 23rd and the 24th. 
And officially, uh, it's great to have you uh, back on the program. Uh, let's talk about the um, what are the Canadian Comedy Awards? How long has this been going on? And then we'll talk about some of the inductees for this year. Okay, so um, the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, it's a distinction from just the Canadian Comedy Awards. It's the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, and it's um, it's been reborn as of 2021. Uh, in fact, I opened a letter the first thing this morning that says we're, we're now an official charity as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we um, During COVID, my father passed away in Atlanta, and he was my biggest comedy supporter. And I said, I'm not going to let this go for nothing and the people who've been inducted already uh, you know john candy wayne and schuster dave broadfoot don heron uh and the air farce they need something like it's it's we're too good as canadians we're too funny and we give too much to the world for it to go to nothing so we started off we got a board we started doing it virtually we uh, produced a couple of television shows a couple of years ago, and then now we're in Hamilton. They've opened up the door, and we're doing inductees, and it's a, it's a big it's a big thing now. And um, uh, I'm real proud of the work that a lot of people have done on it. Will there be? Is there? Will there be like an actual physical space where someone can visit the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame? Yes, um, there will be. Uh, we were very close a couple of times in our efforts, and we don't need to go into that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But we were almost um, uh, we almost had one built up at Woodbine <clears throat> Live way back in uh, 2008 to 12. We tried again in uh, Hamilton br- briefly in 2015, and then we had a a full plan for Niagara Falls. Um, but, um, you know, the world changed and mm-hmm. different recessions and stuff and investment went away. So um, I decided to come back and make it real and then pursue the permanent home. But right. Hamilton is very interested. And uh, we have a three-year plan, uh, hoping by the third year we uh, rented space in our building. Because we've got the full plans of what it should be. Well, I know mm-hmm. what it sh- I know what it should be. It's not glass cases and, and static things. It's yeah. an interactive experience. Well, you yeah. talk about the... Uh, I mean, the, when I'm looking here at the, the performers and inductees, the reason I'm, I play Little Blue Rodeo is that yeah. Blue Rodeo is going to be playing at one of the galas. Um, it's at the Hamilton Convention, Convention Center Ballroom. Ron James headlining. Sean Majumder and uh, Ashley Leggett will be giving uh, those in attendance a sneak peek at some of the exhibits. But it's a pretty big deal when you look at the, the names that are being inducted this year. Why don't you tell us who they are? Well, um, we have three different categories, but let's start with the big ones. I'm sure the listeners would rather know the big ones. Jim Carrey, Eugene Levy, Martin Short, the cast of SCTV, and then a couple of Hamilton homegrown guys. And we have a special Friday night all Hamilton show uh, paying tribute to Billy Van and Steve Smith. And then the teenage head is going to uh, perform as their 50th anniversary. And that's going to be exciting. But uh, they're the people that were inducted. Uh, you know, it's a process that they get inducted. We don't induct people because they show up or g- give us money or anything. They're inducted and voted in on, on by the industry. And uh, these people are well-deserving, uh, for sure. And then in 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 the creators category this year, um, you guys probably know both these people, uh, Joe Bodelai and uh, Joanna Downey. And um, both had, uh, you know... Uh, Great careers gave so much to comedy in Canada. Um, and so we're very happy to be inducting them. And then the legacy is people 50 years or, or more there, uh, ago from the start of the, uh, the festival 
it has to be 50 years prior that most of their uh, work occurred. And we have Marie Dressler, The Happy Gang, and Rose Willette. You know, the Juno Awards often have trouble getting international Canadian stars to be part of it. What happens? Like, if you... Have you contacted Jim Carrey and said, we are doing this? And what was his reaction? Well, this is one of the greatest stories ever. Last year, when we inducted Mark Breslin, we got in touch with Jim Carrey. And he said, I can't be there, but let me do a little movie for you. And he sent a movie and it was killer hilarious. Uh, I won't go into the ending of it, but it was well produced and it was a good six, seven minutes. This year in November, when we contacted him to let him know he was in, uh, he was very excited and was going to be there with bells on. Uh, oh. Then the then the writer's strike ended and uh, the direct the actor strike mm-hmm. at, and he has a project that he's been developing for ten years that he's producing now. That you know it's greenlit. Obviously, it's Jim Carrey in London, England. So he can't be there. And right. this is this is the thing we're running into this year is. Like last year, Catherine, like Bruce Hills and uh, uh, Andrew Alexander from uh, Just for Laughs, Second City, yeah, and and, and, and yeah, they all came, uh, mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of people coming this year. Um, you know, Billy Vance, Steve Smith's coming up. Uh, Billy Vance's family is going to be there. Uh, we're getting some of the cast when the cast of SCTV is being inducted, but the heavy hitters, they had such pressure on them after COVID and after the strike that their time is. So we're working on it. There may be some prizes, but I know Jim's not going to be there, and I know Martin's not going to be there. But uh, so to be clear, though, here. like so, like the, the, I'm not sure if you mentioned the whole list. It's the cast of SCTV: Steve Smith, Jim Carrey, Eugene Levy, Martin Short, Billy Van. Yeah. I mean, which is all great. It would be great if they could all be there. But I think the conversation that you want to have as well is the the fact that if there was a country that you know deserved a, a comedy hall of fame, it's this one. Considering the effect, the you know the just the you know you think about Lauren Michaels and fifty plus years of shaping the nature of comedy, not just in Canada, in the states, which of course shapes it all over the world. You know, I know all of us have had these conversations with Americans and others about you know this Canadian thing about did you know that guy was Canadian. But when you think about who the Canadians are and the movies they've made and the comedy we've produced, it's I'm just surprised every time we talk to him that there hasn't been that this hasn't been done long ago. Well, and uh, the frustration. (laughs) Thanks so much for saying that, (laughs) because it it is it's 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 crazy. And even before uh, the ones that people know now, the dominance goes back to Marie Dressler's being inducted this year. She was the first woman in a full length talking movie with charlie chaplin she won an academy award that was around the time uh, that fred and i started our show by the way oh, yeah. <laughs> i had a, I had a right. crush on her. <laughs> <laughs> that's right we were just yeah. we were just getting started started in those days <laughs> you know we're doing we're doing the bay street yucks back then that's uh, right the, oh, no, uh, I've done, hey dude i did the bay street yucks i know you did uh the uh um and Pepe at Nailsworth, who got inducted last year, and a quick little story. The, these two guys, uh, Pepe and Nailsworth, invented TV variety. Sonny and Cher show, uh, Judy Garland show, Jackie Gleason uh, specials, Frank Sinatra specials, Hee Haw, and the Sonny and Cher show. Uh, and they invented TV variety, two Canadian. Their descendants actually had never met uh, the um, Bill Ellsworth and... Um, 
Pepiot's daughter, they both met on stage accepting the award last year at the Second City. Uh, it was it was a, a magical moment. And so we do have these moments and some of them like, you know, uh, everybody wants to know, is Jim Carrey, is Eugene Levy going to be there? Well, th- they may and they will be in the future, but that's not going to stop us from doing it and having a great show. Yeah, it's a great show with moments that happen and great performances. And that's why I like to involve music all, and all kinds of comedy, not just stand up. No, and as Howard said, you know, the reputation of Canadian comics, comedic actors in the United States, and we even touched on that before you came on the show today, how Canadians sort of need that American validation for whatever reason. Even a guy like, how well, how often Canadians are referenced to by American comics and how much they admire them. I mean, since Norm Macdonald died, like, it's unbelievable to a person every big name comic you can name references norm mcdonald how much they love this same with martin short oh, yeah and it's and unbelievable even, and even like um uh, current guys because one of the mm. things we're trying to do with the hall of fame is make it relevant it's not just the people just in the past but we're trying right. to build and showcase people now as you can tell by the lineup of some of the people performing but you take a guy like jeremy hotz you guys, mm-hmm. you guys know Hotsy. I just did a show with Jeremy last fall. Okay, so he he is the kind of guy when you're at the um, Tim Steves, um, dear departed friend yeah. and a great comic, yeah. told me the story that he was down in L.A. and they were at the comedy store and um, somebody Chris Rock walks in and he says that his name is after Jeremy Hotz is on the list and he goes, "No, I'm not following him. Oh, Nobody yeah. follows Cranky." <laughs> yeah, we're good at it. We're good at comedy and, and the writing and the people behind the scenes. Like even and you guys know Frank Van Keek and he was the story editor of Mad About You for six years. Uh, Brian Hart and uh, um, Gary Campbell ran Mad TV. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we're in all aspects of it, and we're trying to pay tribute to that and say to everybody and educate people. Like that's part of our mandate as as uh, the Hall of Fame is to educate people and say no 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 they're, they're Canadian. That, that, yeah, I was going to say they're, they're, those are some names. By the way, I don't know if Fred would know Frank Van Keek, and I do because he was doing stand up in Western Canada when I first started, and and as a stand up was outstanding, very very strange. Same with Brian Hart and Hots and I go back. I mean, every time I have Hots on the show, he always talks about how I stayed with him while I was headlining at the Bay uh, Bay Street Yuck Yucks and how I threw up in his garbage can. Um, in fact, I say I, I opened for Jeremy last fall at uh, the Danforth Music Hall. And, you know, I was, it was great. You know, a thousand people come and see Jeremy. And, and the people that like Jeremy love Jeremy. But, but, but there's so many behind the scenes people. And I think that's what this Canadian uh, Comedy Hall of Fame and the Comedy Awards uh, can highlight. Well, it, it gives a chance for people to, to, and we're terrible at it as a country, uh, except for maybe hockey players, and and even then yeah. they're they're so humble. Uh, when I first started these back in uh, two thousand, I've been working at it for twenty three years now. Um, the uh, I got in touch with Mike Myers, and I said, "Would you uh, talk about some of the people who are inducted?" He said, sure. So he flew up to the Sutton place. (laughs) That's how long ago this was. And did an interview where he talked about the Air Farce and uh, Rich Little and uh, these people who are being inducted. And and there's a sense of pride from the other, uh, the whole community. And you like the other thing about Canadian actors and the Canadian comics, especially, you can't get away from your past. And everybody tells the truth. And everybody remembers things pretty well the same way. 
Um, and everybody goes through a period when you're, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a star like Russell Peters. Uh, he actually opened for me his first time being paid as a comic and I was a feature act. I only featured twice. It was terrible. And, um, but, uh, <laughs> getting in touch with him later in life, he tells the stories the same way, mm-hmm. going to, you know, places, uh, in Hamilton, the aquarium in Hamilton used to be this little place, 120 seats that we used to perform. And, and we all remember it fondly. Yep. Um, listen, man, um, we're going to wrap up because we have a couple of clients standing by. Uh, that's how we keep okay. uh, doing this. You know, maybe at some point uh, there will be a podcast category, Tim, and, mm. Uh, mm. you know, look to us as pioneers of podcasting now in our 12th year. That's 12 years in wow. podcasting years. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe, again, you know, no, no pressure, Tim. Um, the, uh, where, well, where, <laughs> where our promotion department? We are, well, okay, so in, in terms of that, we're going to nominate it, ourselves, is what we're trying to say, Tim. It, it, okay, I, 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 we will do a category on that because after 12 years, it's got to be 20, but. Oh, does it? Oh, okay. Yeah, the, mm. it's got to be 20 years. In the, but I would love to have you guys come and do and, and, and move the whole thing out of your. I don't know where you guys are, probably in your own homes. Mm-hmm. But it's beautiful looking thing. I like the sign. Yeah, yeah. We're, in, we're in a studio. We do this professionally. And I've, and I've been a fan of you guys for a long well, time. And so, we, by the uh, way, to be clear, we've been doing the show together for 34 years. We yeah. started in 1989 when you were just a baby boy. Well, I remember the launch of CFNY. I think my PR company at the time was involved with the launch. The They had little cups. And anyway, that was a long time ago. But it was my company. I was just a junior kid. I was seven. And But I mean, we'd love to get you guys to come and do a podcast at the event. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, this February, Fred and I, who uh, basically spend the winters away now that we can do the show on Zoom. Um, but I, I'll tell you what, we will like to let people know where to go and find out more about the Canadian Comedy Awards. Where do they do that? It's a Canadian Comedy Hall dot com. CanadianComedyHall.com. CanadianComedyHall.com. Listen, man. And you can find information on tickets, but you can also have information on all the inductees from this year and the past years. Timmy, it's great catching up with you. And and by the way, just congratulations on your success in these movies, because that's got to be fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's got to be a fun thing to do. Yeah, I'll keep going. And uh, I'm so happy to have Blue Rodeo there in the closing gala. It's going to be amazing. Yes. Um, all the best to you, my friend. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great having Take it you. Easy. On. He's cool. Like Tim's got a. The difference between Tim and you and I is that we we could never wear that hat. That's because you probably got up and showered. No, no. We're, listen, we're, you're not supposed to be here. We're going to talk about you now. Like okay. he, he's he's so cool. If you wore that hat or I wore that hat, we'd look like we had special needs. Seriously. Oh, it's <laughs> I, I agree. Oh, yeah, no, seriously. I, one, one of us show up with that hat tomorrow on the show and see how that works. <laughs> Bye, Tim. <laughs> Bye. See you later, guys. All Thanks right. a lot. See you later, right. Tim. There's Tim. That's um, Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. I, I, Again, you know, a wealth of people you could consider, and I didn't want to say what about what about to him, but you know, he mentioned. Uh, although there seems to be some twenty-year thing that I don't fully understand, but you know, Phil Hartman and uh, and uh, Norm Macdonald are they in? Or I guess you, know, you can't put everybody in on the same year, right? You sort of roll it out over a few years. Here would be my argument: if there's a Canadian country music Hall of Fame, which I believe there is. 
like I, an actual place. Yes. And there's certainly a Canadian um, Music Hall of Fame. There's got to be. How could there not be a Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame when we could spend the rest of the show talking about not just the Canadians that have in, that have been in comedies and and some of the biggest in the world. Jim Carrey at one time, mm-hmm. one of the biggest stars in the world. Mike Myers. And, mm-hmm. and I always come back to Lauren Michaels because I don't think a single Canadian comedy influencer has had the influence that Lauren Michaels did, Lauren Michaels did and does because of Saturday Night Live. You know, next to hockey, because, you know, Americans often, when you say you're Canadian, will reference hockey on some level. Next to hockey, what do you think most, and again, I hate the American validation, most Americans would identify with Canadians. Would it be comedy? Would it be music? Would it be acting? I just wonder about that. I don't know. Because, Because as frustrating as it is often... You know, again, what Americans are like, you might have a huge Canadian comic like Russell Peters and they immediately just think he's American. (laughs) You know, well, that's the thing is most of those people we've mentioned, Jim Carrey, they think is American. Mm -hmm. Mike Myers think is American. But I go, you know, again, I want to keep harping on Lauren Michaels. When I think about. Mm -hmm. Yes. Think about all the people that have come through Lauren Michaels world from the beginning of like the Dan Aykroyd's and. Bill Murray's and you mentioned Phil Hartman's think about Tina Fey and Seth Meyers and Dennis Miller and and one of the biggest stars in comedy Adam Sandler Conan O'Brien wrote for Saturday Night Live none Mm -hmm. of that happens without the Canadian sensibility of Lauren Michaels yes and that Mm -hmm. doesn't get talked about enough I like (laughs) I'm very very passionate about this apparently oh that's funny um, by the way, he mentioned Joanne Downey, who I didn't know, but I knew of, who was a um, a comedy show promoter in Toronto for a lot of years was uh, a place she promoted a lot of stand up comedy in Toronto and sketch. And she passed away a few years ago, uh, actually kind of before I came back in 2016. She had just passed away. But apparently from p- what people have told me is just uh was just the, the greatest um, fan and supporter and advocate for uh, stand-up in uh, Canada. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because from time to time I think about our, mine, your, like one of us is going to die first, reading the other guy's obituary. Oh, yeah. What's it, what's it going to say? Just think about that. I have thought about it. Will it be... Well, there, you know, of course, there would be an obituary, I would imagine, just like anyone else. But will there be any significance to this show, accomplishment, whatever? And again, that might sound a, a little self-indulgent, but you can't help but have those thoughts sometimes. Because when you when you read obituaries for people that maybe have been in the entertainment industry and you think, oh, geez, I wonder what mine will say. <laughs> I've thought about both of those things. thought about, yeah. okay, if I'm at your funeral, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm much younger than you, but then mm-hmm. I'm more unstable, so probably go before you. So, um, mm-hmm. but if I was at your funeral, what would that be like? Because I'd be like the surviving member of the Humble and Fred show. <laughs> and, uh, and would it be like when, you know, Freddie Mercury died, I'd have you, I'd replace you with, uh, you know, somebody else, a new yeah. Fred. A guy named yeah. Fred, 
but not you. Right. And the second yeah. thing I thought of, I, I think about that quite a bit, especially when I was looking towards uh, having this interview. Like, we have to have had some impact. There's got to be some legacy of doing this that people other than our audience are aware of. You know what I mean? Like, how can we have done this for 34 years? Literally, there's nobody left doing a show that was doing a show in the form that they were doing it when we started other than us. Yeah, Marilyn Dennis is still, you know, I guess she's still doing a radio show, but. Yes. But not the radio show she was doing in 1989 when we started. Yeah. No, she's still doing mornings at Chum FM. It just boggles my mind. Boggles it, Howard. Boggles. How does that feel? That, well, that's, you know, somebody with obvious wealth behind her that she has. She still chooses to get up at that time of the morning. It's quite impressive, actually. Uh, yeah, By the absolutely way, it is. It, it really is. Like, what is that motivation? And, you know, I, I don't have to search too far because I know what the motivation is. You don't want to give it up. You like it. You know, and she's very good at it. Yeah, um, it's my it's mind exercise. Probably that's what it comes down to for her. Because she like long ago, did, yeah, she long ago didn't have to do it. Uh, yeah. What helps? Uh, uh, w- w- hmm? Go ahead. No, I was going to say on the Chum FM note too. Like Josie Dai was at the edge. I be- was she there when we were there or after. But anyway, no, she has left Indie eighty eight morning show to do afternoons on Chum FM, which is a pretty big chair when you. Uh, look at the depth of uh, in history of radio in Toronto. It's a big chair with a lot of uh, a lot more dough than I guarantee you. She's making more dough than oh, she was at, yeah. at Indie, whatever. Uh, speaking of dough, uh, use yours wisely. When the teams are ready for kickoff, it's time to play. Easily find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Get the latest sports odds and free tips to help you go all the way this football season. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Uh, do you have anything you want to add to uh, the Bodog? Uh... Yeah, let me just look at this right now. Uh, right tonight, the Mid-Pack Suck Show is in Edmonton to play the Oilers. Uh, oh, Oilers. By, by the way, for you people new to the program, uh, Fred, the Mid-Pack Suck Show is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Minus 155 on the Edmonton Oilers, so a notable favorite to win. I can understand that. The Oilers have won like nine games in a row. They've really turned it around. You know, their big players are really uh, delivering. Uh, But not only that, their support staff is delivering as well, which is something you need (laughs) if you're going to win the Stanley Cup, obviously, which just adds to the frustration of being... Yeah, the mid-pack suck show is also very funny to me. (laughs) Anyway, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds to their world-class sports book at Feature Rich Poker Room to their fully loaded casino and uh, race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That's your Bodog... You know, you mentioned um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I know I know we talked about the Bills, sort of a, an overview of the game, talked about the weather and uh, how cold I felt. I, I mean, really, I don't, you said you guys went outside and then you were felt rugged, but I got to tell you, that game is brutal. When it's that cold, oh, it was just brutal. And, and in the end, I mean, I, I, we texted back and forth, you and I, a couple times. You know, because at first it looked like it was going to be a blowout. It was 21 nothing before 
the Pittsburgh scored. And then it started to come back. You know, Josh Allen was playing great in the first half, and then they figured out a couple things at halftime. Pittsburgh came back, and at one point I texted you, well, this is starting to suck because it got close. It got within mm-hmm. one score, and then uh, then they scored again, and I went, okay, okay, let's all calm down. And then the last thing after they won, I, re- I wrote to you, I wrote, winning, <laughs> stupid, I wrote, winning is grinning. And yeah. you and but then you write back right away. Nice one. Massive event on Sunday. I hate the Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, how did we get from, you know, hey, great, great win. Uh, can't wait no. till Sunday when, you know, when we play KC to I hate the Leafs. <laughs> I know I'm just dicking around. It was funny to me. I thought mm-hmm. it was funny. But you talk about that cold. And how it can impact the game yesterday. And again, I'm not an NFL football player. Okay, I'm not. You know, oh, you're that. not? <laughs> yeah, no. <nah. laughs> okay. Yesterday I'm taking, you know, it's minus whatever, minus 9, minus 10 with a bit of a wind chill yesterday. I'm taking a car battery or a battery out of a car in that cold. And everything was fine. But then with the wrench, I just sort of slipped a bit and it hit my knuckle. And just with being, it just felt different than if it was... 21 or 22 degrees you know yeah, what no I mean? kidding, it was man. just like whack all oh, and that pain and that cold it's just a different thing oh than yeah when it's comfortable and there it were really plenty is. of in- injuries mm-hmm. in that game last night i think part mm-hmm. of it was you know part there was one i can't remember who it was who went over on their ankle but a couple of those hits had to have been worse harder more brutal because of how cold it was. And I don't know what's... Like I said, that game started at 4.30. I took Stan out about 2.30 and lasted less than 15 minutes. And I had multiple layers. For, I mean, I, I was texting back and forth with my buddy Mike Azarian, who's coming on here in a second. We were just laughing about the fact that, you know, they were wearing short sleeves. I know I mentioned it already, but they're not wearing... The players aren't wearing much equipment and nothing, right. very little to... Save off the cold. Yeah. Uh, speaking of dog walking, uh, sometime this morning, uh, Dougie the dog will arrive, oh, and we're going to have him for two weeks while my son's off on assignment. Um, have you ever thought of mall walking your dog? Are you allowed to do that? Because Dougie absolutely despises the cold, but he needs to be exercised. He needs to be walked. Could you take, can I, like, the Bramley City... Well, I'm putting my life in my hand, or on the line, going to the Bramley City Center, but um, could you... Are you allowed to do that? Have you ever seen that? I'm, I'm just wondering, because I thought that would be a pretty good solution. Just take them over there and walk them around three or four times around the perimeter of that huge mall. Uh, like, you know, I know, I, I, I know never, elderly people yeah, mall walk. Yeah, people, yeah. yeah, you can walk a grandparent in the mall. Yeah. You can and they're more grandpa- likely to shit on the floor than a dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Did, can someone clean up this? Did your, gran- did your grandpa, did you just take a dump here in front of the uh, Sephora? I don't, I don't think in Canada you're allowed to walk your dog indoors. That's too bad, though. Yeah, I don't. So I'm trying to figure it out because he needs, you know, his surgery a few months ago, a couple of months ago. He needs that exercise but i'll tell you he's just totally intolerant of this weather he goes out does his business and walks right back in no i get it like i mm. 
you know, at one point yesterday, and again, it happened very quickly because I take I go I take Stan out, I throw a stick for him. We go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I can see him start to head toward the car. Like mm-hmm. he'll do. And, and I've said this before. Maybe I haven't remember this, but in the summertime when it's super hot, I'll look around and I'm like, where's the dog? And he's gone. He's gone to stand by the car. He's like, I've had mm-hmm. enough, dude. Yeah. But yesterday I could see him like, OK, this was cute, but I want to get inside. Uh, anyway, you know, what I, you know what I might do? I might go to the Beverly City Center, take Dougie, hook him up, and then get like a white cane. Yes. And just walk around the mall with a white cane. Who's going to come? Somebody come up, come up to me and say, you're not blind. No, they're not going to. Well, when they do that, also pretend you're deaf. <laughs> You'd be like, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm deaf, deaf and blind. <laughs> um, okay, um, when you were gone, when you were gone, we had uh, our very first, we tried to have our very first chat with our newest client, Mike Kazarian, who's been a friend of mine for years. Right. And uh, the audio was awful and something happened. And uh, before I officially introduce Mike Kazarian, let me just see if it's all working. Hey, Kaz, is it all working? It sounds pretty good to me. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, um, I just mentioned that you and I were texting last night during the football game about those sucks wearing short sleeves. <laughs> Kaz is like, yeah, we'd be out there golfing in short sleeves. I'm like, uh uh-uh. <laughs> uh, we we used to play out in the snow at rattlesnake back in the day yeah yeah bad. Well, listen I've, in the time i've lived in toronto i've definitely golfed once or twice where in the in the round it snowed i'm sure you have i have we we actually had heaters in the golf cart the carts were covered we had hot dogs and we were actually had TVs and we were watching the football game in the cart while we played golf. It doesn't get any better. No, it's perfect. Um, okay, well, now the audio seems to be working. So let's actually physically get your actual intro music. Here we go. We picked this out. We like this. It's got a nice vibe to it. Uh, please welcome to our program. Uh, the first of which we hope is going to be many uh, discussions with our newest sponsor from Lender's Choice Mortgages, uh, Mike Kazarian. And I have to read this, Fred. Mike is one of the broker owners of uh, Lender's Choice, an independently owned and operated member of Mortgage Alliance, license number 13582. You know, we've talked quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, Mike and I, about how how different the model of lender's choice is. But before we get to what you do, let's talk a little bit about what you think of the, the, the world that's coming in 2024 as far as mortgages coming due for people. Well, first, that's a great question. First of all, you know, nobody has a crystal ball what's going to happen with mortgage rates. Um, but we can get to that in a second. But in 2024, it's predicted that there's about a million mortgages maturing and in 2025, around the same. So 2 million mortgages in Canada maturing in the next two years. And, you know, people are going to go from lower interest rates and they're going to be renewing at much higher interest rates. Yeah, which could is a scary prospect for some people. You know, I heard on the... Um on the news yesterday that the economic outlook doesn't look that bad and that maybe in the first half of 2024 interest rates 
will start to come down. But that's going to be a long process, isn't it, Mike? People, they're not instantly going to go back to one and two percent. It's going to take a while to get back there. So even if they start to recede a bit, it's still going to it's still going to be a while. Well, for sure. And it's, it's going to be painful because people that had mortgages, you know, in 2020, 2021, 2022, that are going to be maturing over the next two years. Mm-hmm. Um, again, their their interest rates are probably in the two to three, three and a half percent range. And now we're looking rate rates are in the five, five and a half percent range, six percent. So their payments are going to go, you know, I, I did a four, I did some number crunching and on a hundred thousand dollar mortgage, uh, amortized over 30 years at five and a half percent. If interest rates go down 1%, that's going to be $88 difference mm-hmm. on a hundred thousand. Well, if the average mortgage is like five or 600,000, you're looking at it over, you know, over $500 a month. It's yeah. considerable. It's a lot of money. Sure it is for a lot of people. So you talk about uh, mortgages coming due and uh, in this year and the next. So there's going to be a lot of people listening that might think, okay, normally what I do when my mortgage comes due is I go to my bank, re- lets me know, and I deal with my bank. And and you've been in the business a long time. Before you started Lenders Mortgage, you worked for big banks. So how does a mortgage broker experience, which I think this is key, how does it differ than dealing with a bank? When you go to your own financial institution, you've got one product and one rate. So, you know, I'm you go to renew your mortgage with your financial institution, they're gonna offer you the here's the rate. And you deal with somebody like me at a mortgage broker. Um, we deal with over 75 different lenders with no preference to anyone. So we're going to take you to the lender that makes the most sense for you. And, you know, again, like having worked at the financial institutions, like I know, like there are certain guidelines and things that, you know, maybe you're not going to qualify or maybe you need to refinance your mortgage. So there's a lot of things to consider, but dealing with a mortgage broker, having access, you know, one-stop shop to find you the solution that works for you, I think is critical for for many people. And just as a follow-up though, I mean, you don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it's like, it, it would make sense if there's 75 options versus one, chances are you can get a better rate. But what do you, what do you say to somebody when they say, can you get me a better rate? Well, I'm going to say it's not always about the rate. Number one, like we need to understand what your goals are. Because if your payments are impacting your cash flow situation, maybe we need to refinance. Maybe we need to increase your amortization. Obviously not optimal to pay your mortgage off longer. But if the payments are, you know, your lifestyle, um, then we may need to refinance. So I'm going to say, Howard, it's not always about the rate. Okay. you know, again, again, because we have access, you know, access to over 75 different lenders, we're going to find you the best rate and the best solution for you. And, and you hit on it there a second ago, like one point, if you find somebody like one to point, if you can do that, $500 a month in that scenario that you talked about, that's 6000 a year over five years. That's 34. Like, I mean, just do the math. It's significant. And no, obviously exactly. why people should should look beyond their bank because there's there's better deals out there obviously 100 percent, right but i think it comes down to advice 
and you know doing what's best for the customer because if you're just renewing at your financial institution of course they want to keep you as a client mm-hmm. you know for me yes i want your business but i'm going to send you to the financial institution that makes sense for you so it doesn't right. matter who i go to it's whatever works for you so understanding what your goals are um, is, is critical and, and giving that piece of advice i think is so important more now than ever because interest rates are impacting you know people's uh people's cash flow we like look everything's gone up like inflation's mm-hmm. hurt us all right so um you know your mortgage payment is, is gonna have a huge impact on your lifestyle. Well, I think that's where we'll uh, close it off for today because I think for the next time and for a lot of people listening, it might be the first time they've ever considered breaking away from their bank and going to a mortgage broker. And next time, maybe we'll talk about what that process is like and not because we've spoken about some of the benefits, but I, I think for a lot of people, they might just be reticent because... You know, like when we talk to Tim uh, Nibblet all the time, you know, not everyone wants to talk about this kind of things. It makes them uncomfortable. But maybe breaking away from your bank when your mortgage comes due this year might be the year to talk to somebody like Mr. Kazarian. And and by the way, Fred, when we're golfing, he, he occasionally will make me call him Mr. Kazarian, which I find very. And so you should. And so you should. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, for the next, he says, he'll say, okay, for the next nine holes, please call me Mr. Kazarian. <laughs> and I say, okay. <laughs> and um, I, I got nothing to say there. Howard. I, like, I don't know. Right you, you, got, you got me. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. He, uh, see, he doesn't want to get caught up in your fantasy world. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, he does. <laughs> the, the funny thing is he does. Uh, LendersChoice.ca <laughs> is where you get a hold of Mike Kazarian. Uh, LendersChoice.ca. And uh, again, if you would like to support this program, uh, we'd like you to support our clients. And Mr. Gazarian is one of them now. And we would appreciate you. Uh, if you do have a mortgage coming due, at the very least, why not have a conversation? At least, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not if you're not ready to do it, at least have a conversation with Mike. Uh, advice is uh, is free. And at least let Mike have a... I, I'm sure you would do that. Let Mike have a look at what your situation is and see if it's the best... Uh, best idea for you right i think getting a second opinion is always uh yeah you know having having making an educated decision is so important so you know i'm happy to give whatever advice i can provide and yeah and to your point howard it's free all right man LendersChoice.ca. great to have you on board glad this all worked out um i'll check in with you later and uh thanks for doing this appreciate it thanks mike Good to meet you guys. Have a great day. Take care. Cheers. Bye. You too, Fred. Take care. Yeah, man, I think for a lot of people, they're, um, you know, they're just reticent. You know, they might be a, bye, Mike. Now we're going to talk about you. See, while you're gone, we'll just talk about you. That's what we do after people leave. I think they're just, I think a lot of people are just reticent to make a change. But I think uh, now more than ever, as you point out, just shaving a point off your mortgage can be a huge mm-hmm. savings for a family over the course of the, the life of your amortization, you know? Yeah, and I was thinking about that yesterday as I uh, uh, mentioned, um, you know, they're, they're saying that maybe this year, in the first half actually, that interest rates could maybe be cut. But again, we went from like one of, like there's the people with like one and a half, one and three quarter uh, percentage mortgage. Those went, now it's like, as he mentioned, five or something. Even if they start to recede, we're only talking like a quarter point at a time every couple of months yeah. or every few months, right? So yep. 
the impact is going to be there for the next few years. They're not instantly going to return to where they were. They can't, obviously. Well, and, you know, again, part of the problem with human beings is we forget, mm-hmm. as I mentioned yesterday, we all think we're, we're living in the worst times ever. I don't know how many times we've told this story in the last couple of years about our first mortgages. My first mortgage in 1992 was close to 13%. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I bought that place in uh, Mississauga, which you apparently thought was too much house for me. It turned out to be true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but because um, I was so excited showing in my new house and you're like, yeah, this is great, Howard, but there's no way you can take care of this. Well, um, that's the thing. It, it's, yeah. it, 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 and I, it wasn't necessarily the size. It was the the upkeep. What, what, what it involved, including an indoor pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was the, that was an old that was an old humble and Fred money. Um, but anyway, that mortgage was eleven percent. I remember going from thirteen to eleven, thinking, "Wow, isn't this great?" And so, yeah, our mortgage rates in the last few years have just gone way up from these historic lows. And the thing is, we had those historic lows for a long time. Oh yeah, you know, money was cheap around here, around these parts, for many years. I remember, again, talking to the bank, talking to my financial, uh, you know, the people I get advice from. And it's it was like, use your line of credit, man. It costs nothing. Mm-hmm. Use their money. It's virtually costs nothing. Use it. Well, that even that's changed. And I can attest to that. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, but it, it was inevitable that it was going to get more expensive. Right. Because a lot of these things, whether it's inflation or mm-hmm. bank rates, the economy is cyclical. And, you know, if you forget, if you weren't around in 1992 and didn't have a mortgage, you might think, oh, my God, these are what, what is a mortgage rate right now? Six percent. Yeah, it can be up around there. Um, I don't have one, but, um, you know, um, what was it? Oh. My first mortgage, like you, 13%, but my mortgage was $45,000. And I know that's 35 years ago, but now when I look at, you know, to buy it, and that was a townhouse. You buy a townhouse in Brampton now, with 100 down, you're still looking at a $700,000 mortgage. You are. Yeah. It's it's crazy. So you you think, oh, okay, it's 5 or 6%. We paid 13, but on a... Seven hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Yeah, I don't know how. I mean, I'm oh. I, that first mortgage we got. Hmm. Uh, the house was, I think, two hundred and sixty thousand dollars, and we put down sixty. Mm-hmm. So my mortgage was a couple hundred thousand at thirteen um, percent. Mm-hmm. By the way, to your question about dogs, I just checked our Facebook feed, and a few people have weighed in. Nancy McLeod Elder says we know people who have ordered a service vest for their dog, and now they can <laughs> well, take the dog. One. Yeah, fake service desk. That's like when I used to use my mom's, um, you know, uh, disabled card in my card or in my car. Right. Yeah, that was a good little scam. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what Dan it is. shaking his head. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know. You know why? Because Dan never scams anybody. Oh, no. No. no, no, no. <laughs> Dan doesn't pull off capers at all. Do no, you, Dan? No, no I do not. Um, Dan, Todd Taylor Dan, also Dan says. Um, bell, oh, no, exactly. Dan is above mm-hmm. board. Whatever that, <laughs> you know, everything about Dan. Uh, another person, Todd Taylor says, uh, Todd T. Taylor says, um, Home Depot, do lap, you can take the dog to Home Depot. He says he takes his dog there all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. You right. do the same thing at Canadian Tire, at least here in Peterborough, which, uh, 
Fred can yell for service, you well, know, from all the aisles with uh, with the dock. Listen, dude, somebody tells me at my Canadian Tire, my history with this Canadian Tire, and the ornery bastards that work there, there would be a problem on some level. <laughs> but I was going to say, I, I might do the same thing with Stan because you know, like, because some there are just some days I won't take him out. It's just too brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thanks to uh, those people. Dan yeah, Duran is you. back. Everybody, look at him. What was your first mortgage? Uh, do you remember? Well, you wouldn't remember. You don't remember anything. What was your first mortgage on uh, at your your cool West End home around uh, Babby Point in uh, Bloor West Village? Uh, I think it was for about uh, three three hundred thousand. Do you remember the rate though? Oh no, the rate uh, probably was around uh, four 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 or five at that point. What year did you buy it? Do you know? No. I do. Uh, okay. 96. Okay. So 96, whatever the rates were. Around. So you, you have no right. You, you wouldn't know the year 1996 when you bought your first home? No. Wow. See, I don't remember that. I remember there was, it was around, it was July 1st we took possession because it was July 4th that I had the chainsaw accident. And, oh. Uh, that Not was, in the same year, though, that you bought the house, was it? Yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. And it was yeah, like you, we guys were, the house. you guys were clearing some trees back there. Yeah, because they bought the house. A storm came through and uh, trees fell into the neighbor's yard right after we took possession. So the house was empty. I do remember that. Hmm. I remember, and I know what you paid. You paid 410000 for that house. And at the time, I'm thinking, is he crazy? Is he out of his freaking mind? Again, not fully appreciating. And, you know, not having that crystal ball that everyone would like. Hmm. And not fully appreciating the value of that neighborhood, even then. Oh yeah, what it was. And I remember you, right, Dan? Four hundred ten thousand you paid for that house. Dan it was kind of nuts. Yeah, he has no. And, 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 uh, it, it, yeah, because I had paid like two eighty for this or something. Yeah, and he paid four ten for this bungalow, and it's like what? What? And now, like houses in that neighborhood, like modest homes are like yeah. two and three. You can't million. get a tent in there. Yeah. By the way, let's review. <laughs> so I buy a house. You're all negative about it. Dan buys a house. You're just <laughs> you're all negative about it. What is the through line on this uh, narrative? You're just negative. No, it was in different ways. I know. I know. Not I negative. Know. <laughs> I, you know, I was just trying to you care for people. You see, yeah, and you oh, think, yeah, wow, it's all that's about a, caring. That's a big pill to swallow. Four hundred ten thousand. Now well, you couldn't buy a goddamn. So well, there's trailers worth that much i bought that place the uh, place that was too much for me in 1993 we bought it yeah. for around four hundred thousand, and in 1998 we sold it for five hundred thousand because you know we're good that way and then the guy <laughs> the guy who bought it from me tore down the house so basically he paid five hundred thousand for the land that house now because the thing is, when I'm, that's how I met Fraser. Forget he was the house, the property. The property. But this is, I'm, I've never been good at this. So that, that house now, like Fraser, my buddy, he still lives in that neighborhood. So when he had a $500,000 house in 1998, he's just stayed there because that house now is worth $4 million. That, that they've, whatever they've done to it, but all the houses in that neighborhood might have just stayed there. No, not me. Real estate idiot. A number comes to mind. That house in down in Mississauga with the indoor pool. Did you not pay three hundred and thirty eight thousand for that house? No, we, no. Okay. 
Because even that at the time in 1993, that you know was what? a big ticket. Yeah. No, no. I, you know what? You might be right. Because we bought the house in Oakville for 410000 or 400000 Anyway. Yeah. Like in those days, you, those seemed like an astronomical amounts of money because my parents' home in Moose Jaw was worth twenty five grand. Yeah. See, back when, yeah, I think what, even with my parents, when back in the 70s and 80s, maybe even early 90s, when you bought a home, you didn't you didn't really look at it from a speculative standpoint. You looked at it as can I can I afford this? Can I carry right. this with not a, a lot of mind to? Yeah, but one day this will be worth uh, five million, you know, and of course you don't have a crystal ball, so you don't know. And so often, you know, people that come from other lands and saw this happen decades ago in their countries came here and were ahead of the curve. Yeah, there was a house we were looking at in uh, Jane and Bloor that was owned by the former publisher of the Toronto Sun. Can't remember his name. And uh, we were Peter Worthington. No, wasn't it the guy you'd know? Creighton, Doug Creighton. Yeah, Doug Creighton, yeah. And uh, the house we were in was worth 260000 The house we were looking, the house we eventually bought, you're right, Fred, was probably in the 300s, in the late 300s. And that house there at Jane and Bloor in that neighborhood was probably four hundred and fifty or so. And I remember the real estate agent pissed Randy off because we we told her we, we, we can only afford this much money. And she said something to her like, why don't you have your husband, uh, you know, just do an, a commercial or something, another commercial. <laughs> like, like she was trying to she was trying to force us into like spending more money. And yeah. but if I bought that house in that neighborhood for whatever they were asking for, if I could have just gotten my head around it. But again, in those days, those numbers seemed astronomical. Oh, crazy. And I remember when I bought this house for like, yeah, this house, I only paid $280,000 for. Um, at the time, we were looking at ones that were like 310, 320 and thinking, no, no, I don't want to go the extra 40. And I remember the agent saying, you know, Fred, over 25 years, that's not oh, yeah. really a lot of money per month. And God, I still I don't want to go there. Not that I care in retrospect, but you could have had a lot more house. Like, I mean, a lot more house for 30 or 40 grand more. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the Crichton house, mm. uh, the, if we bought a house in Mississauga for 360, it was mm-hmm. 460. So what was mm-hmm. 100 grand in money in those days? You know, at that point, as you know, around the mm-hmm. late 90s, the interest rates were back to, you know, three and four percent. Anyway, that's why having a guy like Mike Kazarian is going to um, be a good for us, because I think a lot of people have these conversations. And if you're having those conversations in your life right now and you're one of those million Canadians that have a mortgage coming due. Mike's the guy. I'm going to tell you, he's a really good guy, and I've known him for a long time. And he's also a very, very, very good golfer. Extremely good. Um, Is he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be, uh, he and I'd be neck and neck on most days. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's fiery, man. He's a fierce competitor. But I know he knows his business, and uh, Tim Niblett and I have talked about Mike being a great fit for our audience because he can have a, a good conversation with you about not just a better rate, but maybe a better situation for you in terms of your mortgage. So, uh, yeah, give Mike a shout. All right, Dan, are you ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very exciting, Dan. 
Now, very exciting. Dan Duran. It's my time. It's my time, time for Dan. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man comes. As for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now Mr. and Mrs. Duran welcome you to their home by the way, I've got some of those twigs, sticks in a thing. In a vase, oh, yeah. yeah. Sticks in a vase, I've got some of those. Uh, now here is uh, anchor, movie anchor man and Western Canadian born Daniel J. Gebert Duran of the Durans of Peterborough. <laughs> okay. Loblaw is not doing half off anymore. Good old arrogant Loblaw, which posted record-breaking profits quarter after quarter, is stopping half-off last-day food. So 50% is just too much for food they're going to throw out. Uh, after the announcement, all the news organizations reached out to Loblaw. Of course, Loblaw shut them out. Say, didn't the way, are you saying Loblaw? How come you don't say Loblaws? Loblaws is the parent company to Loblaws. You keep saying all Loblaw. the Loblaws. Loblaw? Loblaws is the store. Loblaws is the parent company. Okay, sorry. Loblaw owns Loblaws, Zares, your independent grocer, Provigo, Atlantic Superstore, Fortino's, Dominion, Independent City Market, Fresh Mart, Value Mart, Real Canadian Wholesale Club, uh, Real Canadian Liquor Store, Real Canadian Superstore, No Frills, Maxi, Extra Foods, Farmer Pre and Shoppers Drug Mart, to mention a few of what they own. And they continue to, like I said, Record profits in uh, the last quarter. They were up 10% um, in the final quarter of 2023. Anyway, after the announcement, news organizations wanted to talk to Loblaws or Loblaw. They didn't want to talk. Instead, they did respond to the director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University with this word salad. We're now moving toward a more predictable and consistent offering, including more consistency with our competitors. <laughs> so, in essence, fuck the people on food margins, on the food margins, and we're going to move toward price fixing. 30% is what the others are doing, so we're going to do that. Yeah, I said there were a lot of bad citizens through COVID, and uh, the food industry was one of them. I think it was it was an opportunity for them. And... Uh, and even the food prices, you know, they were saying like 10, 11 percent. I'll tell you, I, what about you guys? My experience when I bought items that I commonly bought with regularity, it seemed like a lot more than 10 percent to me. Well, it's obviously they don't it's obvious they don't care because no. they do this. This this is a, you know, a PR nightmare. Mm-hmm. All the organization, all the news people are talking about it right now. You look to any of the major websites; it's on there, and they they haven't respond. They haven't even bothered responding because they go, "Well, you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter. We've trained our customers already to know that everything's going to be more mm-hmm. expensive, and we just don't give a shit if we're, you know, really fifty percent off last day. Uh, you know, it's about to expire. Tomorrow's mm-hmm. the days, and it was, you know, a lot of people uh, on the margins were going to Loblaws and and going and looking down the aisle and seeing what the discount is and mm-hmm. buying those foods because, they, you know, they're, they're, it's it's hard to, at certain points for people, some people can't afford stuff. So, they so they're just going to throw it out rather than discount it? 
they're discounting it down to 30% instead of the 50% that they've always been doing for years and years. Well, that's Uh what I don't understand that... um I mean, all, all the discussion about food gouging and COVID, and, and we've had that uh, talk mm-hmm. from time to time. But I don't understand what the point is. If something is about to go bad, and so this is just about those items that are already about to expire, uh, charging an extra 20% for them, which seems to be weird because, like, what if, so what if that 20% is the difference between somebody buying them and somebody not buying them? And then it expires and nobody buys it. Well, it goes in the garbage. Well, that's what I mean. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. And who knows how much more they're going to make or not make, but they just don't like the idea of it or something. You know, that big 50% off sticker on, on you know, whatever's been wrapped in plastic. It's dumb. And some of those things, you you really do have to eat them, like, soon. But some of them you don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, best before dates are, have, you know, contributed to huge mass waste in our society. Yeah. Remember, as a kid, honestly, we didn't have best before dates. You smelled it or you tasted it. It was fine. You <laughs> ate it. Well, now. That's right. I live with someone that a best before date, and I always say, honey, it's a best before date. It's not a no good after date. Please. It's fine. Well, you eat it, and I do. Yeah. But I can put a different <laughs> spin on this. The Sobies over here, we buy those large sort of bubble salads already pre-made. Yep. They're nice. They're nice. Uh, really, especially the Greek one. Well, the thing is, they used to be seven and a half, eight dollars Then COVID, they jumped to 10 and $11. Well, now when I go in to buy one, almost daily, every other day at least, well, I look at the best before date. And if it's not made on that day, I won't buy it or I will go to the back and ask for a fresh one to be made. I never used to. I used to look at it and go, oh, it's only a day old. But listen, if you're going to jump the price up from $7 to now 11 I want that bastard fresh, fresh as can be. Mm. And one day I couldn't find one. I went to the back. Uh, there was nobody there. I called the manager. This is recently. And then I said to her, I said, what's going on here? I said, I used to be able to get fresh salads here pretty much every day. You know, they were made today. I, I notice you're not making them as frequently. And she says, well, sir, there's really nothing wrong with a salad that's a day old. I said, maybe to you, but I'm the customer. To me, it means a lot. And if I'm going to pay this, I want a fresh salad. Mm. Well, sir, I, I I understand that. But you've got to realize, you know, if we make it at four o'clock on yesterday, it's fine today. I said to you. Not to me. Look so at me. You want, I'm, you, I'm you, big C here. Yeah. I'm customer. You want somebody to be customer. at a salad bar tossing it and then throwing it into your um, into your canister. Howard, at 11 or 12 bucks a salad, you're effing right, I do. And um, I thought you anyway. were going to say that you actually you couldn't find anyone, so you made it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> anyway, you know how that ended? She went to the back. And yes. She took somebody from something else. Right. And they made me a fresh salad. And you know what they did? They spit, spit in, it. in it. That's what Dolls <laughs> said. They spit in it. And they took a booger and they boogered it. And then they wiped their ass and then they rubbed that all over your lettuce. <laughs> I'm with Fred, though. I mean, you know, when yeah. you have those salads, they're all cut up. So as soon as you start cutting a piece of lettuce or whatever, yeah. it starts to oxidize right away. Oh, so, okay. mm-hmm. you know, so you okay. do want yeah, it but, fresh, but, especially if you're paying, but, you know, a lot yeah. of money. Yeah, but what, what, at what point, like if they make it. What if you come in at 5 p.m. and they made it at 9 a.m.? The oxidization process happens immediately. So in order to get a perfectly fresh salad, 
You have to literally be hovering over the person no, making no, it. No, no, no. no. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I have that flexibility. Oh, you do. If I go in today, if I go in today and it says, you know, the salad was made on the 16th, I don't care if it was. I don't care if it was this morning at nine and it's four in the afternoon, yeah. but if I go in and it says 15 or 14, yeah. No, I get that. Two days yeah. old. Yeah, but if, if something is made on the 15th at 4 p.m. and you go in the next morning at 9 a.m., you know, that's only uh, for, for 12, it's, 15, it's, 15, it's uh, 17 hours. Okay, you just don't know or understand, do you? <laughs> I do. If, no, because I grab in, the sa- if I grab the salad and flip it over and it's the 14th or say yes, the 15th, 15, 15, I flip it over. I look at the bottom and you can see yes. if just the edges of that la- lettuce are starting to go I a agree. bit brown. It's like, I no, agree. I don't want this. One I agree. At $12. I'm the same with spinach. I don't like when I because oh, I buy I, some stores have it in those big plastic tubs, Tubs. which I don't like. Because they right. take up too much room in the fridge. But yes. some of the times when you go and get the bag spinach, which I do almost every day, every other day, like right. you, yep. um, I see it turning. And sometimes I will pay a little more for the organic one because it's fresher. Because I don't want it to go all mealy or whatever it is when it gets slimy there at the bottom. To Fred's but, point, what, Howard, when you make a salad, Howard, how long would you keep it after you you know, made the salad in the fridge? A couple days couple of days yeah really yeah yeah and and, yeah, and there's another but, but, I don't, but Dan, good, i'm answering i don't i don't make a lot of leafy salads i make a lot of salad with stuff that's non-leafy you know like root vegetables mm-hmm. oh but that's <laughs> a good salad point because, though really that's a good point because if i buy a salad today that says january 16th i'm probably still going to be eating it on the 17th maybe into the 18th yeah so i have to take that into consideration Mm-hmm. That I'm going to take me a couple of days to eat the salad. So if I go in there and it says the 14th today, screw that. That no, should be it. reduced. Listen, and I, a lot of people don't. Here's another thing, Howard. You've got to remember with the salad, if it doesn't look good. If you ask, there's skids in the back. They're not bringing that out until they sell the old shit. Oh, for if sure. you ask, they'll go back and get you a fresh one usually. Yeah, and then they'll ripe their ass with it. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> So, Dan Duran, we started the show talking about Dan Duran possibly playing the role of Tevya in the Peterborough mm. Theater Guild production of Fiddler on the Roof, which was a, probably a great choice uh, back when they decided for their 24th season to include this musical about a you know bunch of Jews singing some Jew songs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that was before the whole world, uh, you know, re- rekindled their love uh, for hating Jews. But I have a little audio here that somebody sent me uh, from Brian Barnett. He says, Dan may not star on this stage, but check out the Peterborough. I keep saying it wrong. Peterborough Theater Guild commercial. All right. All right. Hey, this is Dan Duran. <laughs> Wait, let's start this again. So it's um, a young woman. Uh, standing next to uh, what's obviously is a, a handsome uh, television actor. Should I, should I share the screen? Shall I? Sure. Sure, why not? Let me share the screen. Let's go share so you boys can see it. Can you see that, Fred? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. There he is. Hi. 
Hi, this is Dan Duran. And this is Dr. Laura Lawson. The Peterborough Theatre Guild is happy to announce the time-honored classic, Fiddler on the Roof, starting on February 16th. Directed by Jerry Allen, vocal direction by Janina Krause, and I am delighted to be choreographing and playing the role of Hava. Tickets online or call the box office for Dr. on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, right. Do, do you actually play the fiddle? <laughs> no. Well, that's very, very nice, Dan. Thank you, Howard. I just have a couple of questions. Okay. (laughs) Here we go. Number one, the music in the background is as far from the kind of fiddling music in the the musical as you can get. I don't know. I didn't didn't control that kind of thing. All right. That's not me. Secondly, is she really a doctor? Yeah. Really? She was a ballet dancer. Ah, no, and, she's a And then somewhere physician. in the, in the whatever, she uh, became a doctor. How, uh, yes, yeah, very, very Family nice. doctor. And See, theater. I thought that commercial was going to end with you saying, you want to play doctor? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why you're not uh, part of the theater. <laughs> the <laughs> so was that commercial produced out of that hotbed of uh, enthusiasm, Chorus Peterborough? No, no. Uh, oh, no. okay. Not, not a chorus. No, it's airing on uh, on yeah. um, the station. Well, it's very good. I mean, again, the mm-hmm. choice of music is a little bit weird, considering that it's I'll like pass down- that on because well, no, you're it's, right. It's Why wouldn't they play the fiddle- music? It's down home fiddling music, and people are going to get the wrong idea when they show up, and it's a bunch of Jews whining about being exiled from another fucking place. Good point. I totally agree. Why didn't they use some of the music? We're already paying the royalties for the music. Yeah, Why use aren't we the playing, music. You know, exactly. You know, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, as opposed to people are going to come there and get the wrong idea. Oh. They're yeah. going to be like, what are all these Jews whining about? Uh-huh. Wasn't sunrise, sunset? And sunrise, yes. Sunset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for playing that. That's a little exposure that we, uh, we uh, well, really Well, thanks enjoy. to Brian, thank thank you Brian Barnett, who's the one that Well, thank you, out. Brian, for bringing that to us. I totally forgot to, uh, to mention that to you guys, that I was doing that. No, that's great. Yeah, you're good. You're good on camera. There's no doubt about that. It oh, must yeah. be nice to look good on camera. Yeah, what's yeah. that like? What is that like? I had to, uh, I, I, I joined another association of uh, Canadian, it's not another one, it's for the first time I received an invitation to join the Canadian Association of Senior Golfers and I had to send a, a profile pic, like a picture from my profile in their database. I was just like, I don't know, like... Every picture I was going to send looks like I'm in anguish. Yeah. I joined the Canadian Association of Odd Fellows. (laughs) I'm one of the best looking guys. Oh, yeah, I bet you are. You're the Dan Duran of the Odd Fellows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's for an odd fellow. You're you're not that odd. Just a bit odd. (laughs) I'm I'm uh, I'm in the association of um, Canadian Association of Droopy Eyes. I'm one droopy eye when I take a picture for some reason. What's it like being Dan Duran? No one will ever know but Dan Duran. Oh, um, no. Do you have anything no. else to do here? Are you all caught up? No, I have the Chambers of well, Commerce Group thought. Insurance Plan. Yes, Chambers. All right. Hold on, fuck. All right. And what I'll do is I'll play some music <laughs> from uh, the actual Fiddler on the Roof that sounds nothing like the you know down-home uh, fiddling music. There you go. Yes, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. 
And when we're talking group benefits plan, we're talking about the stuff that really matters to you, like prescriptions and dental therapies. They have a mental health component, even an HR component. So, yeah, if you're in a situation with an employee, you can speak to someone on how to deal with it. I mean, really, top to bottom, this is the way to go for a small business. You can get a free quote today. Go to chamberplan.ca. It's all there. You put in the parameters of your uh, company, what it's all about, the size, and who's involved, what you can afford, and they'll come up with a product for you. Yes, they will. The Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. It isn't easy. You may ask, why do we stay up there if it's so dangerous? We stay because Anatevka is our home. And how do we keep our balance? Well, Dan, um, thank you for uh, once again uh, contributing to this program. Tradition. Thank you for having me again. Appreciate it. I've never seen Fiddler on a Hot Tin Roof. I should check that out. I should, should. come up and see that. Mm-hmm. I should see that. Yeah, you should. Really. Yeah. Take my little darling. It might be a know. bit Jewy for you, though. Is it a bit Jewy? It can be a bit Jewy. And what, what would make you say that? What would be a bit Jewy for me? <laughs> <laughs> what is my Jewy threshold? I mean, you're, I, you're, I, you're basically me. I'm, I'm your Jewy threshold. <laughs> you know? Um, but what I'm you're saying is Howard is enough Jew for Fred? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's right. I basically, I've, I've, you've, you've reached and could exceed your Jew threshold. <laughs> Listen, uh, you know what? I'm not going to get into the intricacy. No. But I, saw, I saw a very disturbing thread yesterday that you were involved with, with a couple of other fellows regarding the Jewish faith. What? And, um, Yes, and yeah, oh yeah, and an incident, you know, involving the you know, you saw, yeah, you you forgot already? Um, no, I'm just uh, I you and Earl and Darren back and forth. Oh that, yeah, oh that, yeah, yeah. Well, I, there yeah. was a, first of all, yes, that was a bit disturbing. Yes, I, but, uh, I so disturbing, I couldn't take part. And Dan Duran, well, yeah, Dan got right into it. Um, no, I know. Oh yeah, because Dan doesn't care. Uh, I think Dan. Um, because we, we basically it was uh, a threat. I don't think we should share all this. It's just uh, well, you can't you can't mention it without sharing it, Dan. <laughs> I mean, have you, do you like not know the first? Things, do right? you not know the first rule of Fight Club? <laughs> See, we're the opposite of Fight Club because one of the first rules of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. But in Humble and Fred's Fight Club, all we do is talk about Fight Club. <laughs> we don't we don't actually fight. Mm. <laughs> right. So this was okay. a uh, this was basically on my little bit yesterday because I had talked about how Getty Lee's parents. Um, I was informed by Darren that they met in a, f- a concentration camp. And they not only met in a concentration camp, but got married there. And I presented this to you fellows yesterday as a concept I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Basically, my bit was, how do you try and pick up a chick in a concentration camp? Like, what kind of, how is that a setting? It's not like, uh, and then you get married in the concentration camp. And so, um, I got, by the way, I don't know who that 919 number, is that Earl? Because it doesn't show up on my... I, I would imagine because I saw him. Okay. Maybe these people don't want to be exposed in such a light, Howard. 
Well, you know, it's all, uh, listen, if I don't mind it, well, listen. No, okay, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, it's it's pretty mild, really. Okay. Yeah, boy. Dan doesn't want to be exposed in it, though. You can tell, I can tell you for sure he doesn't. Look at him. Look at Dan. That's the face of somebody who just wishes this bit would go away. When Dan, (laughs) when Dan weighed in, I'm sure he thought, oh, we're, you know, I don't really want to do this, but I want to be part of the fun game. So it started and, uh, off basically someone saying I would have to RSVP no to the Getty Lee's parents wedding invite, which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. I wrote back right away. Yeah, that's a hard no for me too. you know, sorry, I can't make your wedding at the concentration camp. You know, I, I would have gone to Dan's wedding in Malta before I'd go there. <laughs> <laughs> Darren comes Good. back with uh, oh. Darren comes back with no kidding. The parking at Auschwitz is brutal, and the trains are always packed. Again, pretty racy, but again, but I, again, yeah, but again, it's being presented by a Jewish man. So go, go crazy, Howard. I'm go, I'm going. Mm-hmm. I wrote back, no shit, and all I had at the reception was barbecue. Oh, I know, terrible. And then Darren comes back. Everything tastes like seared chicken. I go, at least it was oh. kosher. Oh. <laughs> And uh, I guess whoever this is, I don't have a name. I wouldn't attend, but I'd send a gift they'd be easy to buy for. Because seriously, because well, where are you registered? Well, I'm registered over in, you know, Camp 3. And then, Dan, very innocently, did they have an open bar? No big deal. No, no. big deal. But see, that is a threat I would, want, would not want my name attached to. And it told me something about my character yesterday. My resistance to that thread said, you know, friend, you're not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what I told you here? I'm going to write that. I'm going to write that on the thread. Fred thinks <laughs> he's he's such a good guy. Yeah, no, I'm not going to jump in that pool. No. Nope. Well, that just goes to show. I know what kind of person I am. I'm a uh, funny first uh, offended second. That's who I am. No, I well. I could have told you that. Yeah, you give it to you, you did. Yeah. I just have a different moral standard. Oh, no, That's I know you do. <laughs> oh, I know you do. One day, if I'm really, really good and pray to baby Jesus, maybe I could yeah. have one, too. Dan Duran's like, well, Dan, yours wasn't so embarrassing. Yours was just, I have, do they have an open bar? Yeah. Well, anyway, well, we've done it now, and you know everybody <laughs> should know that it's, we just have a dark humor once in a while. Oh, you and, think you everyone know? didn't know that before? Before? <laughs> well, I don't know. You got to qualify now? these things these days. You know, it's going to be yes, on the record. You do. You yeah, do. you do. Yeah, yeah. All I know, my name's not on that, and yours is Dan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's really embarrassing. Forget right. my name because I'm the only one who should be oh, on yeah. that thread. Exactly. I'm the only one qualified to be on that thread. Yes. I'll, you know, and I'll write the thread after and say, listen, from now on, boys, leave the anti-Semitic shit to me. Yeah. That's that's my territory. That's my territory. I own that. Uh, Tomorrow Mm -hmm. on the program, everybody, Michael Landsberg will be with us. We're going to have a nice conversation about um, mental health, as always. And, you know, it'll be fun catching up with Michael, uh, especially in considering the fact that there has been so much you know, mental strain on people the last few months, as there always is in this world. You know, we were talking about content we missed yesterday. I had it written down. It was Blue Monday yesterday, and we let it get away. We didn't oh, carve out 10 minutes to talk about. Well, why don't we say we can do that tomorrow? Horrible day. You know what else we should do tomorrow? What's it's that? It's Fred's very special trip. 
with his family. Which, yes. Uh, he didn't, he oh, didn't that's talk timeless. about that. That's timeless. Well, okay, that's right. Fred's trip, Blue Monday. Um, I will talk tomorrow too about. Uh, I'm going to. There's two things I want to discuss with you guys. I'm going to pick up my passport today. Oh. And I want to nice. talk about uh, the passport photo process and something that uh, has happened at the movie pictures at the movie at the movie at the moving picture show, Dan. That um, you being a young man uh, when you first started out in the business were an usher or something manager at the movie. I, yeah, I something sure. has changed in the movie picture going experience uh, that I don't know if you guys have uh, have noticed or have paid attention to, but it's way different than it used to be. I haven't been to a moving picture show since I think 2018, 19. Colton and I were going to go, but we didn't, couldn't find a movie we wanted to see. There's lots of movies out right now. I've seen a bunch. Yeah, I saw Wonka, which I really liked. I saw the uh, Book of uh, Clarence, which I really, really liked. The uh, Bob Marley movie, it was just released, wasn't it? I, uh, I would like to see yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't know if it, it's out either. Yeah, it's coming out. I'd like to see uh-huh. that. But I go over here to the local uh, Bijou and uh, get the seniors ticket. It's like 10 bucks. Yeah. That Bob Marley movie, that's a docudrama, right? It's yes. not like a documentary thing, right? No, no, it's yeah. like a biopic or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there's something there's, about the movie-going experience that is going to outrage Dan Duran. I can't wait. All right. And Dan, I'll look forward to more of your Auschwitz humor today on our little fun thread. Right, yeah. Very good. God damn it. What all I know is... Thank you for bringing that to everybody. I know, all I know is what was just Jesus going to say when you pray to him later. <laughs> This episode of Hummel and Fred was brought to you by The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Boron One, Bodog, and Kelsey's. Hey, and our newest sponsor, Lender's Choice Mortgages. For contests and comments, we read all of our emails, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Please tell us what you think. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, Fred is not a bad guy. And Fiddler starts on February 16th. Bye your tickets and enjoy every goddamn day a place we saw the lights turn low the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts two turntables and a microphone bottles and cans just clap your hands or just clap your hands where's that